there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Dr. Batar, I'm so ready for some advanced medicine, especially, I don't know what the word would be, but I'm, I'm reading this article about a study building an argument that infections are the cause of autism, not mercury, infections. And I'm so, I'm like, it's like when I want to put on my boxing gloves and tater these people for like, directing people the wrong way i mean maybe i'm feeling a little too strongly about that but i want to talk to you about that today among other things well i don't think you're feeling strong enough about it robert um and that's uh that's a very strong position for me to take because i know how passionately you feel about this so my um feeling about this is not only is this moving people in the wrong direction, it's diametrically opposing the direction. They're 180 degrees off. They're going in the completely opposite direction. I had a conference that I presented at about probably 14 or 15 years ago, and there was a presenter there by the name of Garth Nicholson, who was the head of the laboratory division at MD Anderson. He and his wife, uh, both MD PhDs, and... Garth Nicholson was doing a study where he showed that 60-some percent of the children that had autism diagnosis had mycoplasma, and something close to that, I don't remember if it was um, if it was still in the 60 percent, so maybe it's a little bit lower, uh, that had spirochetes that were showing up when they did laboratory assessment. And I spoke shortly after Garth Nicholson, and we've, we've mentioned him before because he wrote a paper, uh, actually, I'm sorry, I wrote a book called Project Daylily, which was right. about the HIV aspect and how the military had been responsible. He'd done a lot of research with the military. But anyway, um, I spoke shortly after him. I think I spoke uh, one lecture between us. And when I spoke, I was asked during the question and answer session, I was asked, well, Dr. Tarr, what do you say to Garth Nicholson's um, components, what he, what he presented? And I said, I completely agree with it. And they said, well, why don't you do testing? Why don't you do, do you do this kind of testing? I said, no, I don't. Why don't you do the testing? I said, because I think it's a pointless thing to do testing because these children are a cesspool for accumulation of these opportunistic toxins. This is the third step in our seventh, stack, uh, in our seventh toxicity philosophy, that the heavy metals, which is the first toxicity, and the persistent organic pollutants, the second toxicity, render the system susceptible to these opportunistic issues, whether it's bacteria, viruses, spirochetes, mycoplasma, yeast, whatever it is, parasites, it's all because their immune system has been rendered vulnerable. That's why I call them opportunistic, because they need the opportunity to set up house. And so when I was asked why I don't do the testing, I said, you would have to do every type of test that's available for every type of bacteria, virus, parasites, spirochetes, mycoplasma, and it's impossible because there's so many other pathogens that we don't even recognize that we haven't discovered them. So it's a pointless thing to do to test these children for these opportunistic infections. Why do they have these opportunistic infections is a question. And what we need to focus in our treatment on is to make their systems less opportunistic 
less vulnerable to these pathogens, to these opportunistic infections, and then we will end up having to, uh, then we will end up actually making a, a dent in the road. But there's nothing to do with causation here. This is a secondary sequela, a result of the, the mercury and the metals and the persistent organic pollutants. It has nothing, with, nothing to do with the cause of autism. So this is a concomitant finding. This is a perfect, perfect picture when I talk about the analogy in medicine. Every time I see fires, I see fire engines. Therefore, I conclude that fire engines cause fires. It's a preposterous statement, and yet this is exactly what they're doing. Well, and we know why they're doing it, too, because they have to completely tr- you know, track your mind off of where we've been going and you've been for many years, pointing to mercury and heavy metals, these toxic poisons, and, of course, the subsequent or simultaneous displacement of minerals. And that's part of what I want to talk about here, because here they're, they're pointing at uh, herpetic infections, herpes, HSV2, herpes simplex, for instance, or even herpes genitalis. They're saying if you have this infection while pregnant, you're more likely to have a child that is, will become autistic, right? That's what they're saying here. That's their claim, just if I boil it down to the basics. And so their argument, their finale argument is to say, hey, this is why we need more money to develop herpes simplex vaccines too, right? There's not enough vaccines. We need another one. And this is a ruse. This is a money-making. This is a profit-making thing. This is also a population reduction focal point because it completely ignores what even is found in the peer-reviewed literature, the legitimate side of this thing. And I want to bring this up because when you have herpetic infections manifesting, it typically follows not necessarily the exposure because that could have happened any time. Some have argued that herpes viruses are, are uh, what do they call it, ubiquitous? They're, they're basically endemic into the human genome. They're part of us, right? Something like 97 but, or 98 percent of the human population has antibodies that will show up for those. Right. So it isn't necessarily about acquiring it, although you can argue that. But let's just step back and say, when do, for instance, most adults suffer from shingles? Following what? A stress traumatic episode, Right. Exactly. What? And it's not just shingles. It's with any right. traumatic, with a cold sore. A cold sore, exactly. We call it what happens? Because you usually get, body gets stressed when you get a cold, so then the sore mm-hmm. in the mouth appears. Or, or what? you get stressed from an examination coming up or something like that. And Dr. Batar, what happens when you're under stress? What happens to the body? What happens to the minerals? What happens to the, the stasis, if you will, that, the, the ideal state? Right. So this is, this is a very, very critical point. You have a you have a sympathetomimetic response. So you have an increase in sympathetic tone. You have an increased utilization of minerals and the B vitamins and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. You have a decrease in, in, the, in the reservoirs in the body, and the body gets stressed. You have an increase in cortisol, and this is why all these things are related to stress. In fact, every patient, not most patients, not almost every patient, mm-hmm. every patient that I have treated in my clinic over the last 22 years that had herpes, whether it's herpes genitalia, Usually the herpes genitalia, the other type, herpes simplex and the zoster, which is uh, the shingles, is, is not, hasn't been as big of an issue. But some of the patients that have come to us, for whatever condition, the ones that happen to have a history of herpes genitalia, after our treatment, every single one have noticed a marked improvement with breakouts, which were maybe coming once a month or once every two weeks, to maybe a breakout once every year, once every two years, to eventually, after four or five years, not having any more breakouts. I mean, right. I had one of, the, one of the most drastic cases was a 
it was a neonatal intensive care unit nurse who was having so many breakouts. She would have a breakout before the first one would heal. So she was constantly, she had constant vesicular eruption. She couldn't even have intercourse with her husband and, in fact, had been advised not to have children because they were trying to have children. I mean, she was constantly from, she was the most depressed woman. You know, she told sure. me, she said, I, I, I can't, I, I just have no, any, don't have any life. And it took us eight months, and she went to, within two years, she was having an eruption maybe once every six months. And then I didn't see her anymore. She wasn't coming in for treatments. I ran into her in a social event a couple of years later. Her, her uh, brother-in-law was a friend of mine, and she said she hadn't had a breakout in almost three years. So, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's, again, like what you said, it's the trace minerals, it's the essential minerals, it's the B vitamins, so, and it's usually like an amino acid profile disruption. But if you can yep. just give people the B vitamins and you can give them the minerals, you've got 80% of the battle, 85%, maybe even 90% of the battle won. Then on top of it, exactly. you give them like lysine, a couple of the other amino acids, Reduce the stress, you've got a 100% quote, cure rate right. for any type of herpes issue. Are you listening, people? We're talking about reversing this, not with a toxic drug, but doing the opposite by clearing the terrain, by giving the body what it needs, and acknowledging the role of stress in basically facilitating the manifestation of viral activity, spewing from your own cells, not necessarily that which you've caught. And I, I want to point to two two scary viruses that they've had. You know, Ebola, which came back, which has been around for a long time, they've known about, and the Zika, right? In both cases, there's peer-reviewed literature I pointed to, I've referenced, I've talked about on this show many years ago, I even did on the Ebola thing, finding out that the selenium depletion in the soils of Africa directly correlated with the manifestation of the worst of Ebola. When they supplanted or basically supplemented with the selenium, it completely reversed it. They didn't even have to attack and kill the virus. Similarly with Zika, recent peer-reviewed literature, I pointed this out, that the only cases that they were seeing, they found a correlation with selenium deficiency. And that, you know, when the selenium was there, it blocked viral replication. The virus couldn't do anything, even if it was there. It didn't matter. The point is, the virus is a cover story for toxins that deplete minerals, for stress that depletes minerals, etc., just like we're talking about here. So this is so very important because this whole thing that they're doing about autism is an absolute ruse to keep people getting vaccinated, which will, will facilitate more of the very thing they claim to want to prevent. That's exactly correct. And I think, Robert, um, you, when you said this is a power thing, a money-making thing, and then the last thing that you said... Uh, population control. I wish it was as simple as money and power. Yeah. But really, when you start looking at it, I mean, you dissect it. They have the control of the media. They have, you know, trillions Plenty of money coming in. <laughs> yeah, it's, they've got everything with money and power already. So, what else is there? Yep. How do we reduce population? How do we further control and reduce so we have more a- more access to resources and fewer people to get in our way? And it's, I know it's, it's butt ugly to say it, but it has to be said because uh, for too long people have been cannon fodder for so many things in this regard. And, uh, of course, the fact that you're waking up, that doesn't make them very happy, as evidenced by uh, Google pulling natural news from their entire search engine. 149,000 pages, simply poof, gone. Are you serious? Yep, What's this that? last week. It's just this last week. Uh, now, I'm not going to say it's permanent. I think that uh, we're going to be able to fight it, beat it back, and get it back into there. But the reality is they're very nervous. The powers on planet Earth that do not like you to have your power, they're very nervous that you're finding out things they didn't want you to know. And that includes the fact that you don't have to be afraid of viruses. 
You have to recognize that what your body needs, you need to give it. What your body doesn't need, you need to stop giving it. And if it's already accumulated that which it didn't need, you you need to help it get out. And that's why we do advanced medicine each and every week here with Dr. Rasha Bittar. For those of you new to the show, you can link up in the show notes, robertscottbell.com. Also, the international best-selling book by Dr. Rasha Bittar, you simply must read it. We talk about it all of the time here. It's called The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. Except for Dr. Bittar. You want him around if you need him. Otherwise, just hang out. He's a good guy. We have fun together. (laughs) All right, Dr. Bittar, we'll be back with more advanced medicine after this break. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. And when necessary, giving them a swift kick in the ass sprint, right? And getting them on some natural things that will not harm their liver, kidneys, or digestive tract. Dr. Batar always helped me out to do that. Appreciate you so much. And, again, folks are still finding the nine steps to keep the doctor away and benefiting from it. Yeah, I appreciate that, Robert. It's uh, very humbling whenever we hear, uh, whenever I get some kind of a letter or something like that, you know, that talks about people's benefits. But before we talk about that part, I just had a, need to kind of say something really quick because I know that there's some people that are listening to us and probably some people that are fond of us but may think that we kind of tend to bridge that fringe where we are maybe (laughs) bordering on that conspiracy theory aspect when we talk about population control. So lest anybody think that way, I just want to kind of give you a, a sequence of thought processes why Robert and I have come to this conclusion and why pretty much everybody that's involved with the show, uh, including Super Don, feels the same way. So this is this is why I believe this, why Robert believes this, and why I'm speaking for Super Don that I think he believes it this way too. Because when you have a say murder investigation, um, the first thing that the investigators try to find out is what the motive is. What is the motive? So if you start looking at what is the motive here, if it's not money and not power, because they already have the money, they have the power, they can't get any more money, well, I guess they could, but they have so much money, so much power, what is their motive? And so when the motive, you start talking about, well, they're trying to dissuade people, drive them into a different direction, but for what purpose? What is their higher agenda? Well, to make money, make, make, have power. Well, they've already got the money, the power, then what is their agenda? The only logical conclusion left is population control. And this isn't something that's just being pulled out of thin air. They are actually, there's actually a white paper that's out there that was, that was out in the, what, the 70s or 80s, Robert, that came from, um, I can't remember which family, it was the Rothschilds or somebody, but there was, a, there was a white paper about the importance of looking at legitimate ways of reducing human population because the resources of the planet would not be able to sustain the population at its current trajectory as, as far as how fast it's growing. And which is very, very difficult for me to believe anyway, that part of it in itself. There's so many areas of the world that aren't populated and there's so many natural resources. But then we also exploit and waste so much. But regardless, if you take this from a natural method of evaluating what the agenda is, you come up with no other conclusion but the only logical answer, which is population control. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and of course, if we talk about the waste of resources, um, yeah, it's just ridiculous. I mean, beyond ridiculous. That's why, you know, the permaculture groups that we're connecting with, incredible how efficient they are, 
how ecologically sound they are, and how you know basic this is you know to the natural order of the universe that we've kind of believe that we're here to conquer as opposed to be stewards of. And you know, I think there is a strong argument to be made that a lot of people will die off. Let's say if oil becomes five hundred dollars a barrel, for instance. You know, most commerce stops. They're not going to ship food from China or South America into America. It's just not going to happen. Then what, right? Even across country, they're not going to be able to do it. So in those moments, this is why I'm urging folks to begin to grow things locally. Like last hour, we covered Detroit. Uh, Incredible. A food forest they've created in Detroit. You know, a city that was largely abandoned and decimated. That there are people coming in there. This is not a federal government program that actually are teaching people to grow food organically and cleanly, and they're supporting, I don't know, 200 families right there around it, and it's and it's free other than the labor that, that's invested in it. So it's like they're printing their own money. Yeah, and when you start looking at this from a, from a again, logical perspective, Detroit would be like the least likely place that I would think that, one, there would be that thought process, and, two, that they would be uh, the, the people there to... I mean, this is the, the industry. This is where the capital of uh, motor vehicles are, right? Detroit, right? Michigan. Automotive industry. Yeah, it went. It, it was outsourced. Globalism. Everything. It destroyed the economy there. Exactly. So now you've got people there that are actually creating this permaculture, this self-sustainable uh, method of living, and anybody can do it. It's, it. The first thing is just the willingness to want to step out of the box and say, "Okay, you know what? If God forbid, transportation stops in my grocery chain store, wherever I normally go." Or, is not going to have their shelves stocked with food anymore. What am I going to do? How am I going to eat? How am I going to feed my children? How am I going to feed my my pets? How am I going to take care of my family? Well, this is the first step of wanting to understand how to do it and then finding the resources and start doing it. I mean, you can start with just even hydroponics. You can grow a tomato Mm -hmm. um, plant right there on your balcony. Even if you live in the middle of a a metropolitan area, you can grow it on the roof. There's so many different ways of doing it. But today's technology, there's so many ways of becoming sustainable. Absolutely, and uh, we're encouraging you to do that because it's it's part of advanced medicine. You know, bringing that home, that food home to you, as close as it is. Zone One Gardens, I'm hearing they're calling it gardens. You walk right out of your kitchen, wherever it is, and you have food that you can just pull right back into your kitchen. Very cool stuff. All right, we're bringing that power back where it belongs with each and every one of you, Doctor Batar, RSB Super D here for you. We've got lots more broadcast advanced medicine after this break. Who'd you say that masked man was? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's- Robert Scott Bell. Here I come to save the day. The information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott Bell Show. There's an old joke, and I, I hesitate to do it because we're mostly a family show, uh, where the doctor asks the patient, uh, do, do you smoke? And he says, only after sex. It's like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. <laughs> do, do you, do you, are you a smoker? It's, this is not a friction question. This is a question about smoking, and as it relates to even an allopathic doctor's treatment. This is a story out of Charlotte, North Carolina, back to your backyard there, Dr. Bittar, although you don't know this story personally. Uh, there's a, uh, a doctors apparently are refusing to operate on this guy who wants a spinal fusion. He's got a lot of back pain. He's not walking well, but he's been smoking for 35 years. And, and this guy, the Charlotte man saying, you know, listen, it's just not right. I need this surgery. Why won't you do this surgery? And, and, and he's like, but he's not going to quit smoking. And so the controversy is, 
is it how how awful the doctor is or is it hey guy you know you you want to be successful here you need to stop smoking where do you where do you where do we support who do we support in this equation well i hate to shock our listeners where i'm going to take a very very strong stand in favor of the doctor and against this patient and that's very simple because regardless of what your philosophy is personally whether you believe in um, non-traditional treatments and open thought process and out-of-the-box treatments, or you believe very hardcore in a pharmaceutical model and um, surgical model and whatever else the conventional model is, regardless, the bottom line that everybody agrees is that smoking is bad for your health. Well, that's everybody knows that. And, of course, it's a bad habit like this guy acknowledges in his ladder, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing from the surgeon's perspective or from the physician's perspective. If he's going to take a risk by opening up this person to do any kind of procedure, anybody knows, anybody, every single person on the planet should know this, but any doctor, any healthcare provider knows that if you have a smoker, they're not going to heal as fast. They're going to end up having complications. Sometimes the wounds don't close. You have an increased chance of infection, wound dehiscence, um, infection, uh, chances of weird things like necrotizing fasciitis that will kill you in 24 hours, increased with, with people that have a lower immune system, so it's, it, it, with an with a open wound like that, with a surgery wound. So any surgeon worth their weight in gold would say unequivocally that I'm not going to operate you on you if you are taking uh, any type of drugs that are going to cause a problem with your system like cocaine or methamphetamines or whatever, or if you're smoking cigarettes, or if you actually have a high consumption of alcohol. All these things increase the risk factors and reduce the possibility of success of the surgery. So I completely agree with that surgeon. And I, if I was in that boat when I was doing surgery, I chose not to do surgery on, on patients that were smoking. In fact, in my clinic, I choose not to take care of smokers. To me, if you were smoking, you really don't care about your health. If you really care about your health, then the first thing you should do is stop smoking. Stop pouring the gasoline in the fire, and then let's talk about how to put out the fire. But if you're pouring gasoline in the fire, and you say, I've got to put the fire out, I could, you know, nobody's going to take you seriously, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's the concept of, of self-worth, self-love. Uh, you know, our, our buddy, the Doc of Detox, talks about that as well. It's like, it, you know, why would you put garbage into your system? Now, granted, there, you know, when it comes to food, a lot in the Western world culture still haven't got the word that their food has been poisoned and genetically altered, etc. But, it, you know, I don't think anybody's under the illusion that smoking is, is the healthiest thing to do. Although, as I've said to people, transition-wise... If you're going to smoke, please, you know, move away from the factory, uh, you know, farmed, if I can call it that, tobacco, which is hardly even tobacco in these cigarettes that they put. So if you go back to the Native Americans smoking their peace pipe, maybe there was tobacco in it, but it was really tobacco. This is not for me saying I want everybody to smoke, but I'm just acknowledging that you reduce the thousands of chemical constituents added to what they call a tobacco cigarette. You're going to be better off, and it might even be less addictive. And and yet... There's scientific support to not doing surgery on somebody who's an addicted smoker because the uh, the likelihood of having to go back in and do an additional surgery, they say sometimes it increases upwards of 80%, 80%. But the thing is that, Robert, it's not just the chances of having to go back and do the surgery again. It's just the recovery from that first surgery is almost an impossibility. And, you know, right. then we also take you, – you talked about some of these points, but the personal – Self-responsibility, that, that's another huge issue. You know, we talk about sustainability. From a sustainable standpoint, you must take personal responsibility for your health. You, you just have to. Otherwise, you, it's not sustainable. 
Well, and, and the point of this guy's thing, he's complaining about it, and I'm like, all right, you, you're, you might be able to find a surgeon that's willing to take your money and do it if you have the money for it that's you know, not insurance covered. I don't know. Uh, but at the same point, you know, the, the docs that have had experience are going to go, you know what, you, the risk is not worth it. Clean up your act and come back, and I'm happy to help you out. And so, again, and this, I, here we hmm? – This point you were just made, I, I think that that's actually a proof that the surgeon is probably better than the average surgeon because he's saying this. Yeah. Well, and, and then we, we can juxtapose that to, like, folks that listen to the show or have read The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away who may have been in – the kind of vicious cycle of I can't get off of this thing. I'm a victim. How I've got I've got this disease or it's cancer or we talked about the viruses last last segment or a couple of segments ago. And there was a guy that wrote you a letter recently. I, I'm going to keep him anonymous because I didn't ask for his permission. But uh, if we talk about this, it's really inspiring when we hear from from our uh, many of our listeners when they implement the things that we've been talking about. Do you want do you want me to read this or, or just reference it here because I think it's it's a, it's a nice powerful powerful counterpoint. So, you know, he's, he's really inspired. He, he, he met you, and uh, he's so excited because you had such a positive impact on, on his life. And he read your book, and he, he said it was fascinating and made sense, right? You know, we talk about resonate, resonant energies. When you read the nine steps to keep the doctor away, you got to go, oh, my gosh, you're being reminded of things you probably know in, in, intuitively. But he says, long story short, things have changed in my life. I'm eating healthier free range and have the organic veggies and fruits delivered from a place that delivers them. I'm going to the gym. I'm looking for options to filter my water. No more fizzy drinks. And without much uh, effort, I lost about 12 pounds so far and I'm feeling way better. This, this email came into you just today. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It just came today. You know, Robert, I, I if I can, I, when, as you were talking about this, something came to mind, you know who Robert mm-hmm. Rowan is, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so he was the editor-in-chief of Second Opinion Newsletter, and I, I want to read to you what he wrote on the testimony for the book. And this is, I, I'm not doing this from an accolade standpoint for the book, but it's just something really interesting because it comes back to the self-sustainability aspect. Robert Rohn said, Dr. Rohn said, wrote, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away does in 352 pages what thousands of pages in the federal health care takeover can't do. This book <laughs> empowers you to restore your health yourself instead of the government fostering disease maintenance upon you while robbing you by taxation. Until we address the fundamental causes of disease, we will pay more, get less, and remain ill with bodies that cannot heal. With these nine steps, you can avoid the disease maintenance paradigm and reclaim your own body. If America were to awaken to these nine simple truths, there would be no health crisis and no need for government takeover to prop up a failed system. Amen to that. Yeah, Dr. Rowan knows it. And this, you know, here there's another article here about the Obamacare thing that still happened. The Republicans might be dragging their feet. They're afraid of the repercussions of uh, you know, basically rescinding it and starting over or doing something different. And, of course, my argument has been repeal it, replace it with nothing, because that nothing would be better. And and what I mean by that really is freedom. Repeal it, replace yeah. it with freedom. Now, the thing is, I'm not waiting. I never wait for them to do their job, because their job is to muck everybody up, is to dominate them, is to control them, is to is to tell you how to live your life. And if you live your life the way those government yahoos live it, it's like the guy that's smoking and asking the surgeon to fix him. It ain't happening. Yep. And so don't wait. Nullify, grow food, just like the folks in Detroit. And, you know, the reality is you don't care. Now, evidently, you know, those are into a lot of the social media Robert, and stuff. Uh, Go ahead. Robert, I don't want to interrupt you, but also mm-hmm. add to that, take personal responsibility. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. But everybody said, well, I can't unless the government does it for me first. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's where they're at. 
And and yet there's so much critique and blowback, and there's leftists that are screaming at, at every town hall meeting. And I'm not saying the Republicans even know what's going on. By and large, most of them don't. But the the uh, we're finding out that 60 percent of online Obamacare defenders, right, trolls we talk about in the social networks or Twitter, they're ha- actually paid to post hits on critics. They don't even believe what they're saying necessarily. They're just paid because the status quo is very profitable. Well, that's exactly right. And, and th- whenever you start to look at motives, that's the other thing. You know, you look at the status, the, the people that have maintained control right now, and the reason that they're so resistant to change is because by maintaining the status quo, they're going to maintain their position of power, their position mm-hmm. of control, their, pos- their position of collecting revenue. And so that's another component. I'm glad you brought that up because that's another component of when you start to look at what is the motive. The motive is to prevent people from becoming sustainable, preventing people from knowing the truth, preventing people from realizing that they have options and that they don't have to be victims, that they have a choice in whether they're going to be a victim or not. Right. So let's look at this other article here from CNN, of all places, uh, that's talking about the World Health Organization saying there are 12 bacteria that pose the greatest risk to human health. And the argument, just like the argument about infectious causes of autism, was to, hey, we need a herpes simplex vaccine. Give us a billion dollars. We'll come up with it. We'll add it to the schedule. This is the same scenario. Robert, hold on. Robert, what? Robert, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why are we what? talking about CNN? That's fake news. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, but this comes, this comes from the World Health Organization, a really fake <laughs> news. It, yeah, it right, expands exactly. it, right? And, of course, the promotion of the fear of bacteria is, of course, the germ theory. And most most of the bacteria they're talking about ultimately gets to the resistant forms of bacteria to the antibiotics. And so they say we need more money to get more antibiotics, more toxic chemo, basically, for infection. And, of course, we need to wait until they come up with a solution or else we're toast. We're, we're toast. We can't do anything. The point is you've changed. I've changed. Many of our listeners have changed, and they're already utilizing things like silver, hydrosol, other botanicals. They're enhancing their mineral. They're detoxifying their bodies, and they're less susceptible. They're more resilient, and they're not going to be dealing with things like oh, uh, Clostridium difficile because they're not on proton pump-inhibiting drugs uh, stopping the production of stomach acid. You know, Robert, one day um, we're going to open up this to, in fact, we're going to be doing this on at the IEDFW. I've already made the decision to do that when you and I, you've already done a couple of programs with us on the IEDFW, but the uh, International Association for Disease-Free World. But they are not only things, which you just said, by using natural components like the silver hydrosol and some of these herbs, we've, we've seen some things that are so dramatic that in actuality, it's not that they become less susceptible and don't have to worry about the clostridium difficile and some of these other things, but in actuality, they supersede the results, supersede the big mega drugs out there. They are actually defying, and people are getting results that they could have never, ever even hoped to achieve a fraction of had they been on the pharmaceutical component. And again, I, we can't talk about that openly here, but right. I'm telling you, it is amazing how some of these changes that we've experienced and seen and, and, and witnessed. All right. Well, hey, let's sweeten it up for the final segment. Talk about Alzheimer's because there's another claim here. Maybe it's not mercury. Maybe it's sugar. Or maybe it's and sugar. Let's talk about that when we come back. Advanced Medicine here. Links are up in the show notes. RobertScottBell.com. Check it out. Tell your friends. We'll be back in a moment. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show.
information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Unique to the second hour of our Monday uh, live broadcast with Dr. Batar is uh, a way to get the archives. You know, you normally can go to GCN, and you can. You can go to SoundCloud, you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, UK Health Radio, Red Nation, Rising, Red State Radio, a lot of places to get the show. Uh, but if you want hundreds and hundreds of hours of just direct to it, advanced medicine, Dr. Batar and me, you can go to medicalrewind.com. Tell your friends. They will catch up in a hurry. There's still a lot to do, but you will catch up in a hurry. All right, now, uh, last article of, of the day today, Dr. Batar. It relates to Alzheimer's. You know, you've talked about Alzheimer's, again, as heavy metals as mercury. It's the same thing that's causing um, in earlier stages of life, in childhood, in babydom, if you will, the autism issue, causing the same thing in our elder years. But even now we've seen neurological degradation uh, come down in age. It's not just a disease of old age. It's a disease of toxicity, primarily uh, heavy metals and mercury. But this article here, I don't know. I'm not going to say it's a bad article because I think it just adds to it, and I don't think it's necessarily not say, saying it's not heavy metals. They just didn't focus on it at all. But they're talking about excess carbohydrates, refined carbs, uh, sugars, diabetes, playing a, a major role in neurological degradation in Alzheimer's. Well, I think that sugar plays a major role in all pathology, but to say that it's causing Alzheimer's is, does it contribute to an increased stress in the system and throws mm-hmm. off the uh, glucose metabolism and how the body works and all that of the cascade, the entire cascade, the metabolic cascade? Yes, absolutely. Does it cause Alzheimer's? No, it does not. But, again, the sugar dysfunction or sugar metabolism dysfunction, mm-hmm. and some people have summarized it with the syndrome X type picture, whatever you want to call it, definitely has an implication on cardiovascular oncogenic process, and neurodegenerative disease. So from a general overall standpoint, yes, but does it cause specifically Alzheimer's? Does it, is it the trigger that caused the, the detonation? Is it the spark that actually caused the fire? The answer is categorically no. Yeah, exactly. So, again, I, we're not opposed to, to this concept at all, and I'm glad it's out there. But remember, if you are loaded with heavy metals and mercury, simply going on a low, uh, let's say, glycemic diet, Right, and those are the people you know promoting the idea of um, how they call it ketogenic diet, for instance. And there can be benefit for not feeding cancer with sugar. We know sugar, uh, you know, a cancer obligate glucose metabolizer. But we also know that the, the so-called cancer stem cells they can adapt too to other things. It's not enough. In other words, we've got to address all of it. That's why, again, I'm going back to your your book, the nine steps to keep the doctor away. It's not one thing; it's everything. Certainly, one thing like mercury can be that ultimate tipping point that sets everything ablaze. That's, that's absolutely correct. That's exactly the point. And hopefully people will recognize that, yes, some of these things that, that are talked about and that are published, like, for example, sugar, we know that sugar is bad. We know that sugar increases all sorts of stressors on the body. But it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of like the same thing, blaming autism, um, blaming bacteria, uh, new strains of bacteria and viruses or infections to cause autism. It's the same thing by blaming sugar to cause or be the cause of Alzheimer's. It's the same type of leap, and it really has no foundation. In fact, Alzheimer's and autism is caused by the same thing, which is excessive mm-hmm. toxicity, specifically heavy metals, specifically mercury. But it's interesting how they're blaming sugar on one and blaming uh, infections on the other. And we've oh, actually, yeah. We've actually seen, 
we covered something about Alzheimer's being caused from uh, infections some time ago. I think a couple of years back, didn't we? It yeah, it's not. It's all. it's exactly. It's not a new concept. Although you know they kind of throw it out there, uh, and I believe the infectious uh, claims are a distraction. The sugar story that we're talking about with Alzheimer's, I don't perceive that as a distraction because it is a helpful aspect to understanding. You know what is also uh, making that fire even even hotter, so to speak. Uh, but there's so much more that is lost when you just simply focus on a infection or b just sugar. Like I said, without looking at the heavy metals, the persistent organic pollutants, the emotional stress, toxicity on all these levels that you write about. Yep, exactly. And I think that um, the awareness being the fact that awareness is increasing, Robert, that just is the part that really makes me happy. And it's been like this for the, of the seven years that we've been doing the show. I'd say probably the last five years, it's been a constant increase in awareness that we have witnessed, that I've witnessed, that you've talked about. So I'm very happy from that standpoint. Very pleased we are. Maybe I bring Yoda out for that. Mm, very pleased we are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, let it, I let it out, Super D. Are you happy? <laughs> My inner Yoda. Or it could be Grover. You never know. All right, Dr. Batar, always awesome to be with you on the show. Do you have one more thing to say? Say it now. Tell them what they need to know, please. That the power to heal is unequivocally yours. Yes, it is. The Robert Scott Bell Show.